Thanks. Bless you, Mabel. Yeah. Wonderful. Ephesians chapter 5, one verse. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be reading verse 18. Before we discuss what's on my heart tonight, because uh, if you noticed on Facebook, the title tonight is where my heart's at, is an addict's mentality. Does anyone know or been around a family member, and we don't need names or anything, but does anyone know a friend or a family member that has struggled with addiction? Pretty much every family uh, is subject to that these days. It is absolutely a, it is, I believe, one of the greatest epidemics we have in the world today is the opioid crisis, the substance abuse crisis, everything surrounding it. It's everywhere. To a point where it's, it's, they, they're taking some drastic things to do it, where they're even making safe places in certain states where you can shoot up safely and do all that, and, and even in parks now, public parks, where you can dispose of hypervenous needles and stuff like that. I mean, they're trying to do whatever it can to, to fix the problem, you know, and even Suboxone and Methadone and things that people will be weaned off of, uh, of methamphetamines and, and heroin, but even that can be addictive, and it's just a, it is absolutely a plague, and and if you've known anyone that's been close to your heart or close to your family that you've seen it, then you know the struggle that's behind it. You know the, how it is absolutely, and it is that one word, consuming. When you just think of the word addiction, I mean, even in our own things, you ask yourself, is there anything that I'm addicted to? Anything that I couldn't do without? And I can tell you it's not even scratching the surface of what you would consider addiction to someone who is literally addicted to these kind of substances. So Ephesians 5 and 18 says something very profound. Because, and, I, and I want to just read this before we go into where I'm at. But Chuck Swindoll even said himself, he said, I, I don't know more a more important verse in the New Testament for the Christian than Ephesians 5 and 18. That's what he says. He said, honestly, no exaggeration. He said, this verse tells the believer how to live an authentic, empowered life. He says this, he says, when you're drunk with alcohol, you lose control, you lose self-respect and the respect of others. Uh, he said, uh, uh, but if, you see, there's a negative command when it, when it, in the beginning of Ephesians 5 and 18, but he says it's followed by a positive command. And he said, for example, I cannot be filled uh, with the Spirit while I have unconfessed sin within me. I cannot be filled with the Spirit while I'm at the same time conducting my life in the energy of the flesh. I cannot be filled with the Spirit while I'm resisting God's will and relying only on myself. I need to be sure that I've taken care of the sins that have emerged in my life, that I've not ignored the wrong that I've done before God and to others. I need to walk in conscious dependence on the Lord on a daily basis. Many a morning I begin my day uh, by sitting on the side of the bed repeating this verse, which the verse says this, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, we just want to thank you for your word. Uh, <laughs> Father, nowadays I don't know what to believe, and to be honest, I don't believe any of it, but I believe your word. Uh, it has never let me down yet, and I don't believe it ever will. And Father, I believe it will be your word that after all the smoke clears and all the rubble has landed, that Father, it will be your word that stand, is still standing true and firm. So Father, we're going to rely on it tonight as we teach for a little bit. Give me the unction of the Holy Spirit that we can get some business done, your business, for your kingdom, that we can be encouraged, strengthened, better equipped to live in the dark and dying world that we're living in. 
But Father, we love you and we praise you. Do what only you can do. The ones that are here in the congregation and the ones who are, uh, are tuning in virtually. Uh, Father, we, just, we need you tonight more than ever. In your son's name we pray. And amen. Let me just add this. Uh, the other night we went down to South Point. I forget why we were down there. Uh, oh, that's right. I met some guy on Facebook yard sale to pick something up. And we stopped back. We wanted to run into the Sam's there in South Point, Ohio. This is off topic of what I'm teaching on. It just came to me. And uh, I guess the stimulus checks obviously had gotten out. And I've never seen such a crowd in my entire life. We went in to get one thing of yogurt. The kids like those yogurt little tubes. And Megan said, stop in. I'll just run in. We'll just run in real quick. We didn't have the kids with us. We'll go in and get it. And the line was, I mean, the crowd was astronomical. Not a parking space. So let me just say this. <laughs> as long as we can conduct it safely. I'm going to put my neck out there. As long as we can conduct it safely, if Sam's can have a crowd like that, then we can have the doors open here Amen. at the church. Amen. If we can do it safely, then I don't think there's a reason why we should close the doors of this church. I'm telling you, uh, this is the stimulus that we need. Uh, more than a check, we need the Word of God on a daily basis. And if we're going to have to come virtually anyways, and I'm going to have to be up here in the podium speaking, then hey, let's just keep these doors open. For those that want to come in and worship with us. It, we may not be, we're not many in numbers tonight, but hey, I'm glad you're here. God's glad you're here. Uh, and I am thankful for the ones that are tuning in. Okay, back to what I was at. Off the soapbox for a second. You give me any substance, anything, you name it. And it doesn't even have to be a physical substance. But if you give me water, if you give me milk, and if you've ever YouTubed the milk challenges, anyone ever seen those milk challenges? They say it's impossible to drink a gallon of whole milk. At one time, to drink a whole gallon. They say your body just can't handle that kind of lactose and you'll just end up throwing it all up. You go, milk? Really? But water, milk, vitamins, sunlight, work, money, I don't care what it is. All of it in moderation can be fine, but anything in excess can be toxic. And anything in excess can be abused and can be addictive. I don't care what it is. You say, well, how can sunlight be bad? But I'm telling you, enough, enough of it, and you get cancer. You say too much water can cause water toxicity, and you can flood your organs and all those things. There is nothing on the face of this planet that you cannot, if you do too much of it, I'm telling you, in excess can be harmful, except one thing. Except one thing. Spirit God. <laughs> the Spirit of God. How true, amen. That's what Paul says. He says, first with the negative command, he said, you have to understand that do not have wine in excess. Now, to me, I, I say cut it all out. I don't think there's a place for it. But you can wrestle that out with fear and trembling in your own life. To me, it, it, it brings back a, a man I used to be, a man I don't want to be. I've seen what happens when those things can get into your life. And I don't want to go down those roads anymore. God's called me to something else. And that's really where my heart's at tonight. Because if Jesus Christ really is the ultimate high, if Jesus Christ really is the only thing that can truly satisfy. This is the problem with addiction, with substance. It doesn't actually satisfy. And it never can, because it's not equipped to. We have a, like I say, a God-shaped hole that we're trying to fit a, it's like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. It just doesn't work. It's not going to fit there, and you're going to have gaps, and you're going to have voids. And this is the thing we have to understand about the Holy Spirit. We can have as much as we want of it, and it won't hurt us. It'll help us. We cannot have it in too much excess. It seems like every time I find myself to the closest point I've ever got with God, next thing I know, he goes, oh, wait, no, this there's something deeper. 
There's something more. And yet he truly satisfies. But there's something about that addict's mentality that I say, how is it? Because if you've ever experienced an addict who has gotten saved, they're radical and they're so hungry. I mean, they have no problem standing and testifying. They have no problem coming to the altar and literally just laying down tears on the altar. When people, I mean, to be honest, like so many people that, that never kind of experienced that radical transformation because it's just that personality that comes from just saying, I'm all in. I'm all in. But... Uh, I think I've mentioned this before, and we're going to talk about some signs that you see in an addict, and I want to use it as a parallel tonight and say, how come we don't have that when it comes to Jesus Christ? Because I want to be addicted to Jesus Christ. And I've got to be honest with you, here's the really sad thing. He's addicted to me. He is absolutely, he never stops pursuing me. He never stops wanting to be with me. He, does, he goes to every effort to meet my needs on a daily basis. <laughs> and I've got nothing to offer. I can't satisfy God, and yet He pursues me. And yet He can satisfy me, and yet I, I don't have that mentality. They say an addict, they say the first time an addict gets high. Every point after that is what they consider chasing the high. And if you talk to any addict, they'll actually say that they will search for that first time, that high that they had on that first time. It's something that it does in the, in the cortex of your brain with dopamine and serotonin and adrenaline that is released in that first time that they shoot up or they take amphetamines or whatever it is. But from that point on, they say they can never reach that high again, so they continue to chase it. And what happens is they, in, in pursuit of chasing it, they do more and more and more, and then finally it's too much, and in excess, it takes their life. And I know addicts in my own life, recovering addicts in my own life, who have said that they've, uh, I've heard horrible stories where two parents will go to shoot up because they have a child, and they'll, one will shoot up while the other one's watching, because you don't know with fentanyl and the way that it works that they could, they could die right there. So one will shoot up, and if they don't die, then the other one will shoot up. But if the other one would die, then they would stop so they could support the family. And to us as normal, I mean, people who've never encountered that, you say, what kind of unbelievable thinking is that? But that is the mentality of an addict. And we're going to talk about that tonight. But let me just say this, that I've, I've known stories where the word will get out on the street that uh, someone got a batch of drugs that was so potent that they did die. And instead of the addict saying, I want to know who it is so I don't do those drugs... That act will say, I want to know who it is so I can get that drug. Because they want to take a chance. Because if it's possible for them to reach that pinnacle of that first high, <laughs> and to a normal person, we say that is absolutely radical thinking. And Paul said that in Ephesians 5 and 18, listen, anything else outside the Holy Spirit, it's going to kill you. It's going to be too much. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there is no restriction. <laughs> he doesn't say you can have too much. Now, you can even have too much religion, right? Religion, man, it can be, you can be legalistic and you can go all the way, you can go wacky with religion. You see it happen in the world today. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit of God, there's never an excess. It's always enough. But there's some things that I was reading in some psycho uh, psychological studies uh, of the mentality of an addict. Number one, the behavior sign that you'll see 
is it says that they will act, uh, they will show obsessive thoughts and actions. It says acquiring and using the drug become the main priorities of life, while all or most other obligations, including work, family, or school, are sidelined. In addict's mentality, it is their number one priority. If they have a job to go to, and they have to choose between finding drugs and going to the job, <laughs> they will choose the drugs. If they have to, uh, I've seen it when I used to read meters, even with alcoholism, because it's a horrible addiction too for so many. Uh, I was in a writing store, and I was like, I was still in senior year, but I can remember vividly. And there was a gentleman up there in line in front of me, and he had diapers, and he had bacon, and he had a big fifth of Jack Daniels. And he got up there, and they rang the total up, and it came to however much, and he didn't have enough money. And no joke, he put the diapers away. But this, and me sitting back there as a high school, I was going, what? Why would you choose liquor over diapers? Obviously someone needs those diapers, but the mentality is it is my number one priority. And I don't care what else comes in the way, everything else will take a back seat to that number one priority. Can I tell you, if your number one priority is not Jesus Christ, then you do not have an addict's mentality. <laughs> because there is everything in this world that is going to ask you to choose. Which are you going to put first? And we see in the Bible, what does God say? You see, He calls us to have an addict's mentality. Love me with what? All your heart. <laughs> and what? All your? And all your? Here you go, don't <laughs> All your strength and all your might and all your soul. Yeah, that's what we're called to have, that, that he is our number one. In fact, the commandment is to put no other gods before me. No other gods before me. I don't care what it is. It's got to take a back seat. It is my number one priority. It's this obsessive thought to say, i, I got to have it. I don't care what it, what it costs. I don't care. You know, I've got to have it. Now, this is a beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit. It's never going to make you choose. Now, if I choose the Holy Spirit, even over my family, God's going to allow me to have my family. But if I choose my family over God, there is an opportunity where my family could pull me away from God. The Holy Spirit will never rob you of anything if you make Him first priority. You say, well, I don't have enough time on Sundays to go to church. I don't have enough time during the week to, to pray and read your Bible. That is absolutely unscriptural. I'll prove. If you make him first priority, you will have to choose. But I assure you, he will, he will give you what you need. He will give you time Amen. throughout the week. Amen. But look at Peter here. We see in, in the, after the dinner of Passover, before uh, Christ is arrested and crucified... He washes the feet of the disciples. And we know Peter uh, says to him, he says, like, you're not going to wash my feet. If anything, it's going to be the other way around. And Jesus says, it has to be this way. If you don't let me, then you're not one of mine and all these things. And in verse 9 of John chapter 13, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, if that's the case, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. He said, if this is the way it is, then I'm all in. If, if this is what it means to be one of yours, then washing my feet is a symbol of that, then I just want you to dunk me. 
I just want you to cover all of me. Not just my feet, but my hands and my head. I want to be completely submerged. That's a mentality of an addict. We know Peter had that kind of mentality. Because remember when Jesus was outside after the resurrection and he was on the shore and they were fishing and catching off and uh, I think it was John that said it is the Lord and it says Jesus, uh, Peter was not even really dressed appropriately but he ungirded himself and he jumped into the water and swam to shore. To the other disciples came and said, what a nut. What a nut. We could have rowed in. It would have taken a couple minutes. We could have pulled the nets. We could have all went in there. But here's this guy. He just lets it all hang out, runs off the side of the boat, swims to shore. But he said, if that's what it takes to get to him. If it is my Lord, then I need to get to him. Which leads me to my next sign of addiction. An addict's mentality will, will disregard of harm that can be caused. They don't even care about their own safety. You'll see that. We see that in many addicts that we've known that they'll shoot up unsafely. Uh, dirty needles doesn't know they don't. You know, uh, you know they're meeting people on the street that they never met. And I know you say, well, you can't trust the drug dealer. Who can you trust? But you can't trust the drug dealer. And they're getting drugs from whoever. And they're doing whatever it takes. And, and they don't care whatever they have to sell, whatever they have to give. No, they have no disregard. For any kind of harm that would be caused. And the psychological paper that I wrote this. And it just speaks to me on a spiritual side. Although the drug abuse is causing physical and mental distress to the individual. And their loved ones. The person, uh, person struggling with addiction. Continues using drugs or alcohol. Despite the harm that it causes them. And their family. That they don't stop. I don't know how many verses in the Bible we see in the New Testament. Especially in the early church. That when harm came, they kept pressing in. <laughs> they didn't care. When, when it went against the grain, when it went into their natural thought, they said, I don't care. Romans 5 and 3. And, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. That's an addict mentality. What do you mean? You glory in tribulation? Who would do that? And someone who is addicted to the Holy Spirit. Someone who's addicted to Jesus Christ. Because they said, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. He said, oh no, it's worth it. James 1, chapter 1, verse 2 and 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. What? Run from it if it causes you harm. Run from it if it makes you uncomfortable. Run from it. But they say, no, count it joy. If you fall into diverse temptations. 1 Peter 4 and 13. But rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Christ suffered? I don't know about you, but my Bible says he suffered more than any other individual in the entire mankind. Beaten beyond recognition. He suffered. When he suffered, it wasn't just nothing. It was something. Man, who, who could suffer like that? Who would want to suffer like that? And we hear about the, what? They OD'd? What? They're in the hospital because they took that drug? I want what they had. What? Christ suffered for mankind? Christ suffered so that we can have a way to heaven? Christ suffered so he can pay my sin debt? Well, I'm going to rejoice to even be a partaker of Christ's suffering. That when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. That's the difference between 
substances of this world, wherein there is excess and it's dangerous, wherein is the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, when we, when we get addicted to Jesus Christ, the end result is not the same as those horrible, sad ones that are addicted to substance in this world. It's going to do them harm, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's going to take us to heaven one day. <laughs> I mean, He's going to do a work in us. 2 Corinthians 12 and 10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He says that. I take pleasure in those things. I've known people that have been addicted before, and they have sold every possession they had, literally living in a, a bare room, bare walls, no couches, no TVs, nothing but them and the drug, and they were happy. <laughs> Think of that on a spiritual side for one moment. If everything in your life was stripped away but you and your relationship with Jesus Christ, would you feel the same as they do? And what they have is just manufactured. It's just chemicals in a, a syringe. That's it. Just pills in a bottle. Just liquor in a shot glass. That's all it is. And what we have is God Almighty indwelling in our hearts. Yeah. Amen. And we have everything and Christ and we're still not happy. Because we don't have an addict's mentality. Paul understood it. Paul was an addict. For Christ. He said, that's why he says, be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but I'm telling you, if you want to if you want to see a high, if, if you want to feel the fire that can go through your veins, I'm telling you, it's not anything that this world can offer, but it is in being filled with the Spirit. Amen. Another sign of an addict is loss of control. Loss of control. I said to Brooke, we were talking the other day, and actually, not often, I kind of pat myself on the shoulder when the Lord gives me something, but we were talking about preaching and being called to preach, and i got to be honest, when God, when I submitted my life to Christ, I just, I didn't really want to preach, <laughs> didn't really want to, in fact, Bev, I was in church with Bev at Dunbar, I would just testify, you know. And sure enough, God began to deal with me and other people began to ask me, have you thought about teaching? Have you thought about helping the youth? Have you thought? But to me, preaching was an involuntary response to the presence of God in my life. It wasn't even voluntary. When God would place a testimony, that's why I, I know I prod for testimonies and I commend you that when I do prod, you don't, you don't always just stand up and say, well, I think the preacher wants to, to testify now. I do, but if it's manufactured, I don't. See, a testimony should be involuntary. A, a praise report should be involuntary. Even coming to the altar should be involuntary, where it's just a response of the filling of the Holy Spirit in a life. Just to say, I can't help but stand and thank my God. That's an addict mentality. An addict has no loss of control. They can't even make decisions on their own because they're only consumed with the thought of that drug, of that substance. They can't make decisions. Sadly, they can't make decisions on their own. And they try to, and oftentimes the decisions they make are to just simply find that next high. And that is 
the same in our spiritual life. Jeremiah chapter 20 verse 9. Jeremiah says this. Because they, they told him. They literally in a pagan nation. A heathen nation. Not to, not to speak of God. Not to talk about God. Not to do it. And look what he says. Then I said I will not make mention of him. Nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart. As a burning fire. Shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing. And I could not stay. He said the word of God, it wasn't even a choice. And I think it's in Acts 4 and 22 or 5 and 22. When they literally said, if you continue to preach in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're going to arrest you and we're going to beat you. And we have the right to probably to kill you, to execute you. And I think it was Peter that said, we can only speak of the things that we've heard and seen. It's all we can do. There's nothing you can do. We have lost all control on, on what we say and how we conduct ourselves. That is what happens when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't help but to witness to someone. You're in behind them in a shopping line saying, this is not the good time. Where I'm going to have to get closer than six feet. I don't know this person. They look disgruntled. But man, I, I'm losing control because the Holy Spirit is saying, maybe I need to pray for that individual. I told you that halfway house. When I went there that day, I, I went. I had spoken down at FCA at Polka High School, and I came back and I passed Sam's hot dogs right there in Polka. And uh, the Lord said, "You need to take hot dogs to that this little recovery house right down the other end." And I said, "Lord, it's one o'clock. I don't want to take hot dogs to these guys. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. They don't know me. I don't know them. I'm not doing." It. Well, sure enough, I lost all control because he just kept whooping me. I went to the Sheets parking lot, pulled in Sheets parking lot, drove back, drove past Sam's hot dog, went into the Polka parking lot, turned back around, just wrestling with it. And finally, I just said, okay, I'll do it. I lost all control. So I bought $20 worth of hot dogs, go knock on the door. They come to the door. Can I help you? I said, I know you don't know me and I don't know you, but I just feel like God's telling me to bring you some hot dogs. And they went, what? God's telling you to bring me hot dogs? And I said, yeah, there's like eight in here. I don't know how many guys are in here, but we've got like eight hot dogs, half chili, half chili, and slaw. And they said this, do you want to come in? And I said, I would love to come in. And next thing you know, for a little bit of time, uh, every week we were meeting and doing Bible studies. If I would have had control, that would have never happened. But because there's something about this high that comes with Jesus Christ. Yes. <laughs> there's something to say, I just... Uh, nothing else can satisfy it. To see the kingdom of God increase, to see lives transformed, there's just something that literally, I imagine it to be equal to an, an addiction. I can't help it. Uh, I can't make any decisions unless it has to do with seeing Jesus Christ move. And it's beautiful because unlike those other substances, it is going to benefit this world. Imagine for a second if there was an epidemic of Jesus Christ, an epidemic of a revival in America today, imagine if we had safe places where the gospel could be preached. Oh wait, we do. It's called church. Imagine if in our public parks we had a place where gospel tracts and Bibles would be put into a box and, and if you were addicted to a point where you just had to get a fix that you can go and grab a Bible or, or grab a tract or, or there'd be a preacher sitting there uh, on a bench or something. Imagine it. 
You say, well, that'd be ridiculous. Well, that's what's happening with substance today. They're doing those very things. And it's harming and it's killing and it's losing lives and families and destroying everything. But if we could be addicted to Jesus Christ, imagine if it was on the evening news that we see people. And to be honest, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes we do think that. How many times have you seen people door knock in neighborhoods? Oh, geez. <laughs> There's those church people again. There they come. They're going to come knock and invite me to church. But we do the same. If you see someone who's staggering, maybe looks high, walking down your street, falling down, falling over, we go, oh, man, uh-oh. Same thing. It's an addict's mentality. But these people who love Jesus, they go, I can't help. I can't help it. They go in a neighborhood. I've lost all control. It said this in that psychological paper. It said, even in the face of wanting to stop or reduce their drug use, the person cannot do so. I don't think... I, once again, we don't have to get into theological debate. I think you can go back into the world, but you'll be miserable. But I think in my own life right now, I couldn't go back. <laughs> Even if I would want to stop loving Jesus, I can't do it. <laughs> There's no way I could do it. I wouldn't even know what that would look like to function like. And yet I live my life or a portion of my life without loving Christ, without being addicted to Christ. And I've yet not even scratched the surface of truly being addicted to Christ. But they say, I couldn't go back. There's no way I could function without it. And that's what so many people fear is they've seen people go through counseling, through rehab facilities, literally. I mean, they'll go into a facility, no phone, no communication for 90 days, even a year. I mean, for long periods of time, come out clean, and sure enough, in so many situations, very quickly they return back to the addiction, because it's got such a strong hold. Man, I wish Jesus could do that to so many. Say, so go hang out in the bar, see how long it lasts. They couldn't even go in, because they're so addicted to Jesus, I can't go in here anymore. <laughs> to listen to the music and to watch the movies and do all the things that the world is, that they used to do, say, I can't do it anymore. I'm so addicted to Jesus that at the first encounter, back with, uh, with the Word of God, I, I'm back to where I was even before. And last but not least, they say in an addict, addicted mentality, uh, an addict's mentality, that there will be a denial of addiction. Or a hiding of drug use. That they won't even... A, that they're ashamed of it, but... Not even to that point that... They don't even see themselves... As other people see themselves. They may say even in an intervention... I don't have a problem. I'm not... I'm just me. You think I have a problem... But I don't have a problem. I'm no different than I ever was. And that's what I love about a, a true Christian. To them, it's just another day. But to someone who's on the outside, someone in the world, they go, man, that person is on fire for the Lord. And when you ask them, they say, oh, I don't feel any different. I don't think I have a problem with Jesus. I don't think I have too much of Jesus. I don't think I'm addicted to Jesus. But on the outside, people say, man, have you seen that person? Man, they're on fire for God. Man, they, they're, they're stepping out in faith, they're teaching class, they're, they're testifying, and man, it's, it's, it's all over them. And you ask them and they say, I don't, I don't see any difference. But this is the thing about that addict's mentality. And it's so good to understand that too. 
Because I'm going to close by saying this in Matthew 6 and 6. Because I think it's important that we keep that mentality on the inside and not for show. That an addict might say, I don't have a problem, I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to discuss it. This is just between me. Uh, it's just it's what I'm doing in my private life. And that's and when we use that in the parallel of, of our spiritual life and, and what God is doing on the inside as we are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus says something very profound in Matthew 6 and 6. He says this, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. That's why it's so important about this authentic relationship. And you'll know the ones. You'll know the ones. And people who you've been around who have had substance abuse, and people who have not had substance abuse, the real ones know the real ones. <laughs> I know that's a real addict. I know he's really went through. They have, you can just they can tell uh, if it's authentic or not, if it's genuine or not. And and I, when I, I want to talk about you being addicted to Jesus Christ, that this thing is not something you just put on. It's not a show. It's either real or it's not. It's either a mentality or it's not. It's either a condition of the heart to say, I, I can't help it. I'm addicted to Jesus Christ. I've lost all control. Uh, I'm obsessed with it. With uh, I have no disregard to any harm. I mean, whatever it takes to, to get glory in my life, I, I don't care. That's, that's an authentic addiction to Jesus Christ. And I just want to use that tonight and, and challenge you, and I want to challenge myself. That we look at an addict and we say, wow. It's so sad that someone could be so consumed by something. So consumed by something. I mean, just literally taking over an entire life. And this is another thing. Where you'll see pictures of people before they were addicted. And, and the transformation that it takes on their life after addiction and substance has got to hold their life for years and years and years. Completely different. I want to say this, that I want to look different. I want people to look at me now and then see me then and say, my gosh, what happened to Brad Joseph? He did not used to look like that. What, what happened to him? And they say, man, it's, it's, I don't know what to tell you. He's addicted to Jesus Christ. Amen. He's wearing a suit and he's preaching. <laughs> and, you know, he's just really wrecked his life with that old Jesus Christ. He's cleaned up his act. He doesn't use profanity. I don't know what happened to him. Uh, you know, I've ran into people that have laughed. You're what? And they say, what are you doing now? I'm like, oh, I'm a pastor of a church. You're a what? <laughs> and I say, I don't want to look like I used to look. I want to look different. I want this thing to radically change my life. If there's any thought or inclination or visual of the old Brad Joseph still present, then I've not done a, a work enough to be addicted to Jesus Christ. Because when they see me, I want them to see Jesus Christ. Amen. I want them to see that that is my number one priority. It's all I think about. And it's all you should be thinking about. And I'm telling you, be very weary in the things that this world offers. Not just drugs and alcohol. Not just those things. If the world offers it, it can be abused, and it can be abused in excess, and in, the, in excess, it can be toxic and hazardous to your life. But know this, excess of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> I'm telling you, huh, it is a high like 
no other. He can truly satisfy. That's what I'm going to challenge with you tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now thanking you for your lesson tonight. Father, even if I was preaching to an empty congregation, this message is for me. Father, I know people who have struggled with addiction. And Father, I see how consuming it really is. Father, it just takes over a life. And Father, I, I see in Ephesians 5 and 18 this profound, this contrast between uh, the excess that the world offers and the excess that your spirit offers. And Father, I want to tell you right now, I want the world to know me as someone who is addicted to Jesus Christ. Father, you're going to have to help us with that. Father, once again, this is a heart condition. Just as they shoot that stuff in their veins, Father, you're going to have to, you're just going to have to come into our veins and pump, uh, into our heart and pump through it. And Father, just go through every section of us, the, the private places of our heart, the deepest, darkest secrets. Father, we want to be totally consumed with you. Father, we want to lose control. We want our, our relationship to be involuntary. That, Father, whatever it takes, if it leads us closer to you, Father, to a deeper part of your character, Father, we don't care what it affects We'll put everything on the sideline and we're going to come running after you. Because we know in you is all the answers to life and life eternal. So Father, we thank you for that tonight. Challenge us to be more about you, to draw deeper to you, to be more addicted to you. In your son's person, then we pray. And amen. amen. All right. Well, you guys have a good rest of your week and we'll see you back Sunday. Once again, Greek share tomorrow at uh, noon here at the uh, activity building on the hill. Good preaching, brother.